What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for starting out your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out EthosFantasyBB. I'm really excited for what we have going on over there. We've hired a ton of new content producers, both writers and podcasters. All of their new work will be released right away at Ethos Fantasy BB. So please make sure you're following over there. Never miss any of our new baseball content. Now today we're going to be looking at the steamer projections for pitchers. We went over the hitters on Friday, talked about mostly the standard five roto head-to-head categories. And we're going to be doing something similar today, although we are going to look also at innings pitch projections, uh, games to a lesser extent, walk rates, things like that, to try and get a whole picture of what steamer expects to happen next season. Now, I believe that Steamer works from a 50th percentile projection base. You know, they do their projections and they post what is the median middle outcome, I guess. Uh, So some of these are a little bit strange. Uh, I got to be honest, some of them are just like the hitters. Some of them make sense to some degree. Some of them really don't. And I think, honestly, the hitter projections seem more accurate right now. The pitching ones, some of them seem a little bit off. So uh, let's just jump right into it here. We'll start uh, breaking these down. Let's start with innings pitch. The guy that they project to throw the most innings, not really much of a surprise here, is Sandy Alcantara at 211. Now, they only project three pitchers to throw over 200 innings. It's Alcantara, it's Shane Bieber, and then Yu Darvish. And then we have a few projected at 199, Scherzer, Nola, Manoa, and then 197, 196, whatever. The only guys projected over 200, <clears throat> there's risk associated with all of them. And Alcantara, I think... excuse me there, probably the least risky because they just throw him. They just, you know, seven, eight, nine innings every single time out. You know, innings pitch is an easy one to project for him as long as he's healthy. He's going to throw 200-plus innings. He is a workhorse. They don't seem to care so much about throwing him out there every year 200-plus innings. So this one makes a lot of sense. For Bieber and Darvish, I don't think it makes as much sense. And when you look at Shane Bieber here, he threw 200 innings last season, which was phenomenal. But considering his shoulder troubles... The really strong bullpen they have in Cleveland, I don't think we can really project that to happen again next season. And if we are going to project that, I think that would be at the top end of our expectations. Considering these are 50th percentile projections, that seems really, really high for me to expect Bieber to throw 200 innings again. He is capable of it, but it seems like it would be at the higher end of the projections, or at least that it should be. Yu Darvish really does not make much sense to project him for 200 innings. He threw 194 this season. But he literally has not gone over 200 innings since 2013. I don't really see why they would expect him to do it all of a sudden at age 36. Yes, 194 this year is essentially 200 innings. One start, a couple you know, a couple little differences here and there. You can get up to 200 innings. I don't think that you add another year of mileage and expect him to exceed that, and especially to reach a 10-year high. So that one feels probably a little bit too much for me there. I wouldn't be expecting either Bieber or Darvish to throw 200 innings. I mean, if I had to say one is more likely than the other, probably I would say Darvish, honestly, because I just don't trust Bieber to stay healthy year after year. And like we said, the bullpen is really strong there. They don't have such a so many reasons to really push him seven, eight innings every time out. It's not necessary. He's probably more of a six-inning guy going forward to try and keep the injuries at bay. And I think 200 innings is kind of asking for a lot. And you see some of the names with 199 expected. Max Scherzer expected for 199. 
again, it seems a little bit high. We are talking about an old dude who has missed time this season with injuries, and I don't think we can expect him to just pitch a full season next year. Scherzer, I always forget how old he is. He's like 38, 39. Uh, how old is he? He's 38. I, I don't think we can expect those kind of numbers from him volume-wise next season. Per game, absolutely, he's going to be incredible like he always is. But in that kind of volume, I wouldn't really expect it. Alec Manoa, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole here, uh, Merrill Kelly, Framber Valdez, all projected close to 200 innings, and I think that they're all fairly likely to get it. Merrill Kelly, maybe not quite as much, but I could also see them just using him in, in a fairly bulk role there out of the rotation, even if he's not doing so great on a lot of nights, and I think a lot of people will expect a lot of great things from Merrill Kelly because he was so valuable this year. I think he's a guy they're likely just going to use in a, in a fairly substantial role there in the starting rotation, five, six innings plus every single night as long as there's no massive blowups. I think that that's a decent call with Merrill Kelly. Now, 197 still might be a little bit much, especially because we are talking, like we said, 50th percentile projections. These are not, you know, the top uh, best-case scenario projections. These are supposed to be, like, right in the middle. Some of them feel a little high, specifically the guys at the top, Bieber and, and Darvish. I wouldn't really expect them to throw that many innings. But let's talk about wins here. And wins is going to be one where we don't need to spend so much time on this because these ones are actually, truly, look like 50th percentile projections. You have uh, a lot of guys projected for 13 wins, and that's the most they projected at anybody. DeGrom, Burns, Scherzer, Cole, Nola, McClanahan, Framber Valdez, Bieber, Gosman, Luis Castillo, Max Fried, Joe Musgrove, and Yu Darvish. All those guys projected for 13 wins. That is about the top. And then there are a ton of guys projected for 12 and 11. I like this. They haven't gone over the top. You know, even with a guy like Jacob DeGrom, who we will talk about quite a bit today, the projections are really lofty for him, but they're not projecting such crazy amounts of wins because we know how um, how random wins are in fantasy. So this, this one really makes sense. This 12-13 kind of win projection for a lot of guys, I think it's likely to be pretty accurate. Now, <clears throat> we can't tell going into the season what's going to happen. We have no idea what's going to happen with wins, but a lot of these guys at the top of this list Great ace caliber arms on great teams. So no, no real arguments are going to come from me here in terms of the wins. Now let's take a look at the losses real quick. No one really that surprising at the top. It's guys that you'd kind of expect with the exception of one name. So Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, and Cole Irvin are the guys projected for 13 wins. That is the highest, or excuse me, not wins, losses. Uh, Marquez, Freeland, and Irvin all projected for 13 losses, which is the, the high water mark here. Next up, projected for 12, Sandy Alcantara, Logan Webb, Merrill Kelly, Martin Perez, um, Nick Pavetta, Josiah Gray. All guys that you might expect decent things from next season. I know Martin Perez is a bit of a wild card. Merrill Kelly as well, and maybe Nick Pavetta as well. But, you know, Alcantara, Webb, uh, Josiah Gray to a lesser extent. Guys that you're expecting to have decent years. I know I'm probably a bit bigger on Josiah Gray than most people. <clears throat> but it seems kind of crazy, especially with Alcantara. I know it's because of the team they play on. But of all the pitchers in baseball to project them for, you know, tied for the second most losses, it's a little crazy. They think that Alcantara is going to lose more games than Mitch Keller. That seems a little nuts. More losses than Brubaker. More losses than Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh I don't agree with that. I think that, yes, the Marlins suck. We don't know how many wins they're going to have, but I think it's, I don't know, 
comparatively speaking, I think that Alcantara is very likely to have fewer losses than the guys we just mentioned, Brubaker, Mitch Keller, even like Kyle Gibson, uh, you know, depending on where he goes. But still, Eduardo Rodriguez, I mean, come on. We we pretty much we know who Eduardo Rodriguez is. He's not much for fantasy. We really, he's really not. Uh, they have him projected for nine wins, 11 losses, and a 396 ERA. Yeah, that's probably about the best case for him, but I don't think we can expect you know better numbers or better, more wins and fewer losses than what we're seeing with Alcantara. I don't think that that makes a lot of sense. And for some of these guys, yes, fewer wins they're projected for, but fewer losses. It just feels kind of strange. Um, I don't want to ramble too much about that particular point, but I don't think that Alcantara should be predicted for the second most losses. You can maybe argue that he's going to pitch in bulk a lot of the time and he'll get you know stuck with some losses where he shouldn't. It still feels kind of strange to me uh, to project him with this many. And not even necessarily just this many, but just proportionally compared to some of the other names they have projected lower. Let's talk quality starts for a second. There are a lot of people in quality start leagues. Pretty much the same names you're seeing at the top here. The highest projection for quality starts, 22, and it is Sandy Alcantara. And that, again, comes down to the bulk. He's going to throw six innings a lot more often than a lot of the other dudes. He's projected for 22 quality starts across 32 games. That's incredible. I don't know if he's going to reach that, but that's incredible. Same for these guys uh, just below him on the list. Corbin Burns for 21. Scherzer, 21. Cole, 21. Framber and Shane Bieber, both 21 quality starts expected. All these names feel pretty chalky right at the top. It doesn't really get that crazy. I mean, going down here, I guess the craziest one would be Nick Lodolo for 17, projected for 17 quality starts which is totally possible. I think it might be a, a little bit unlikely pitching in Cincinnati, but he's totally capable of doing that. He has the stuff to to throw more than half of his games as quality starts. And the quality starts, that is definitely flawed. Um, but kind of interesting to look here. It's pretty chalky at the top of the list. Mostly guys that you would expect. No massive surprises here. I guess Lodolo would be the surprise. Brady Singer at 17 might be a bit of a surprise as well. Uh, but nothing, nothing too crazy in terms of quality starts. Let's talk about strikeouts. Let's see who is projected for the most strikeouts this season, and it is Garrett Cole. It's Cole at 249, and then Burns at 240, Scherzer 238, DeGrom 230, Cease 227. A lot of guys projected to have more than 200 strikeouts. And while I think it's possible, some of these names, I don't know that they're really going to do it. And I, Hunter Green, he has crazy strikeout numbers, but I don't know that I'm confident enough in his abilities that he's going to go deep enough into games this season to get 200 strikeouts. They think that he will throw 168 innings. It's possible. And that number is, I mean, it's not crazy. But I just don't know that he's going to take quite the leap that we expect him to take next season and put up the numbers that they're expecting. The ERA that they expect at a Hunter Green is 396. I think that that's probably a little bit low here considering where he pitches and you know, considering the volatility of, of him. Uh, he can give up a lot of home runs. He can walk a lot of batters. And even Nick Lodolo, they're projecting for a 366 ERA. That's not a great team. It's not a great ballpark. It's, it's a horrible ballpark, really. And I don't think that we can expect such lofty numbers from them. <clears throat> it's, uh, you know, some of the ERAs on this board, we're going to get to that later on, they don't make a lot of sense. Like the strikeouts he could potentially get, but it all comes back to how many innings he's going to pitch. And that will, of course, be dictated by how strong he is when he's out there. I think he'll be pretty good, but 168 innings feels maybe a little bit much for Hunter Green. Let me see what he threw this year. It probably wasn't even too far away from that. 
but it just feels like we're expecting a lot out of him. And I know he's really talented, but uh, he threw 125 innings this season. I think that we're probably going to see somewhere in like the 140-ish kind of range. Uh, pushing 170 seems a little bit much. A lot of these 200 uh, strikeout projected guys make a lot of sense. Spencer Strider, yes. McClanahan. Uh, Robbie Ray is an interesting one. He should be able to get the 200 strikeouts, but I'm also not quite as confident in his abilities as some others might be. We're always going to view him through the lens of that Cy Young season, or at least a lot of people will, and think that that is something that he can attain year after year. It's probably not. He was pretty good this season, you know, 189 innings, 212 strikeouts, a 3.71 ERA. I think that he could probably get the 200 strikeouts again, but it's not. he's not throwing those exact same kind of strikeout numbers that we saw uh, last year. So maybe we see them go down a little bit farther. I think he'll be fine still, good team, but I don't know that we're going to see 220 strikeouts. Feels like a little bit of a lofty number. I would expect them to kind of be on the downward trajectory from here. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't think we can expect quite this many out of him. Uh, let's take a look at strikeout <clears throat> strikeouts per nine because they are slightly different than total strikeouts. Number one projected there is Jacob DeGrom. Totally makes sense, and that's why you look at strikeouts per nine because he's not projected to have the same amount of volume, 168 innings, but you know they think he'll have 230 strikeouts, 12.29 per nine innings. The only other guy projected out of the starting pitchers to average more than 12 strikeouts per nine is Spencer Strider, and they think he's going to throw 154 innings. I think that that makes sense. That projection right there makes sense for Strider, 154 innings. Now, we're on DeGrom. Let's just talk about DeGrom for a second here. I think that their projections for him are, are honestly pretty crazy. Again, these are supposed to be 50th percentile. This is supposed to be the middle of the road in terms of what you kind of expect. They have him projected at 168 innings. That feels like a best-case scenario for Jacob DeGrom. 168 innings is definitely not the median outcome. The median outcome is probably like 80 innings. If he throws 170, then that is, you know, you are absolutely thrilled. He is likely to be a first-round top-five kind of fantasy asset. He's projected to have 1.89 walks per nine innings, which I believe is the lowest here. Let's take a look here. Actually, no, it's not the lowest. John Means projected to have the lowest, despite only projected to start 13 games. And Zach Greinke, just also slightly below. But Jacob DeGrom, projected to be third in walk rate, first in strikeout rate. Uh, his ERA is projected to be the best as well. Might as well talk about that while we're here. He's the only guy projected to have a sub-3 ERA next season. 262 is projected for his ERA. The next best, 302 Shane McClanahan. And then Spencer Strider at 311. Otani at 313. Corbin Burns at 314. We're going to see more guys than just DeGrom throw under a three ERA. It's going to happen. Uh, how many it is, I don't know, but we're going to see more than just him. <clears throat> DeGrom will throw under a three ERA. That is pretty much set in stone, guaranteed. But to have him as the only dude projected and have this kind of range, it doesn't make that much sense considering the whole entire process or what appears to be the process for these projections. Some of them look like they are 50th percentile numbers. Some of them look like they are like close to 100th percentile, and some of them are a lot worse. Ryan Bloomfield tweeted out something really interesting, and it kind of blew up a little bit the other day, uh, looking at projected ERA risers and fallers. I just want to quickly pull it up over on Twitter because it was an excellent graph, and it's something that I think we need to be looking at. So in terms of 22 or 2022 ERA 
uh, compared with the projected 2023 ERA. There are some crazy differences that don't make that much sense to me. Some of them are like, yeah, this is 100th percentile, best case scenario. Some of them are like, this is probably not 50th percentile, middle of the road. And one that I will point to here, Yusei Kikuchi, projected for a 394 ERA. Alec Manoa, projected for a 411 ERA. What the hell are we doing? Like, I know I said that the other day, but what are we doing here? Yusei Kikuchi, if he throws to a sub-4 ERA, would be it would be a, a miracle. Like, it would truly be a miracle for Blue Jays fans. I think we've all kind of accepted that that was a bad signing. Uh, we messed up there. He should not have been signed, at least not to the kind of contract that he was signed for. If he throws anywhere in this kind of neighborhood of a sub-4 ERA, uh, I think that we're going to be really, really happy. And I just want to pull up where he is on the leaderboard here and see who they have projected for worse ERAs. So, Marcus Stroman, they think will be worse. Chris Bassett, Julio Urias, Sean Manaya, Edward Cabrera, Alec Manoa, Tristan McKenzie, Lucas Giolito. I'm not going to go through all of them, but <clears throat> that is patently, that is ridiculous. Like, there is no chance that that can be the 50th percentile for Kikuchi. Jose Barrios projected for a 421 ERA. Aaron Ashby, 341. Trevor Rogers, they think, will bounce back to 376. A lot of these are kind of weird, and they seem pretty arbitrary. Some of them make sense. Barrios at 421 makes sense. Trevor Rogers to expect a 376 ERA. That feels, again, like closer to a best-case scenario after having a 5-5 ERA this season. If he drops almost two runs off of it, 1.75 runs, that would be incredible. I don't think we can really go in expecting that. Now, in terms of some of these projected risers, um, Johnny Cueto, for sure. He had a 335 ERA this season. Not really sustainable long-term. Not at all. We know, we saw what he was doing. He wasn't striking out anybody. He was pretty lucky in terms of the batted ball luck. This makes sense. But Christian Javier projected for 398. Nestor Cortez for 391. Dylan Cease for 371. Even Verlander projected for 3-5 feels a little bit high. I'm definitely lower on Verlander than a lot of people, but they think his ERA is going to double this season. Now, he was pretty lucky last season. He didn't have the highest strikeout rate, and he obviously had a great team behind him. But to expect his ERA to just double, I mean, it'll probably be higher than 175. In fact, I'd bet my life that it'll be higher than 175. But to expect it to fully double seems a little bit crazy. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, his ERA this year was 214. They're projecting 437 next year, like essentially like more than doubling. Uh, I, I think that Gonsolin certainly had one of those miracle seasons where we're going to look back and say, like, holy shit, how did he do that? But I don't think he's going to be that bad next season where it's going to double. Some of these, especially for ERA, are a little bit crazy. And, you know, just to go back to DeGrom for a second, it makes sense to have him projected below three. But if you're going to project him below three, I don't think there's any reason to project guys like Otani, McClanahan, Burns, and Cole above three. Maybe you could argue Cole. But I think all these guys, really, if you're going to have them in that same kind of, they are in the same kind of grouping, and they should generally be grouped together in terms of these ERAs, I think. It just feels, it feels really, really off some of them, especially those Blue Jay numbers. Like Manoa above Kikuchi for ERA, is is just insanity. They really don't like Alec Manoa here. Uh, to project a 4-1-1 ERA out of a Cy Young candidate, uh, you want to argue the validity of whether he should have been in a Cy Young, uh, Cy Young race or not, that's a whole other story. But this is, this is wrong. This is just flat out wrong, I think. Let's take a look at fielding independent pitching because there they have a couple of guys projected to be below three. And I think that is generally 
not more important fantasy wise, but when you're evaluating players, you look at the things that the pitcher can control as opposed to maybe some bad defense. The only guys projected for sub three FIPS, we have DeGrom first by a mile at 233. Then we have Strider at 296. We have McClanahan at 299 and Rodon at 299 as well. Feels a little bit better, sure, um, but generally, I don't think that we can be this conservative with projecting pitchers. I understand the want to be, but I think that especially the way that they have projected some of these dudes. They have projected DeGrom what appears to be like an 80th percentile outcome here, where with Alec Manoa, it's like 20th, 30th percentile, maybe even lower. Like Manoa is a workhorse. He is a stud. When he's out there, you can just see it in him. You don't really even need to look at the stats. If you just watch him, and I know that sounds ridiculous. We are an analytical-based community here. But just watch Alec Manoa pitch. Like if, you, if you're not really familiar with him, just see the confidence. See how he's always able to work out of jams. And it's not like a small sample size now. We're talking how many games he started in his career. Like close to 50 games at this point. It seems to be who he is. And he's just going to get better and better as he gets older, as he gets more confident. To project that he'll take a huge step back next season feels really strange. Overall, I'm not a huge, huge fan of these projections. I think that there's a time and there's a place for them, but you shouldn't go into your draft looking at these and saying, you know, obviously this is going to sound ridiculous, but okay, Kikuchi's projected better than Manoa next year. I'm going to take Kikuchi here uh, in the fifth round or some, some nonsense. No, that's not what you do with these. Like we said on Friday, I kind of look at all these different projections that are out there, specifically ATC. They're kind of an aggregate of all the different projections, and I think that that is the one that makes the most sense to really look at. These are, are curious, to say the least. A lot of them are anyway, and I think that we have to take them, no disrespect intended, but kind of with a grain of salt here. I, I don't think that we can use these for our drafts, for our prep, and well, not that much anyway. And if you're going to use them, you have to use other things as well. This cannot be your sole draft preparation. Not that I think many people are going to do that, but just in case you saw them, you think, okay, I'm going to go into my draft with these, and you know it's on fan graphs, so I'm going to trust it. I don't really trust these as far as I can throw them. Some of them look fairly all right. A lot of them really look really look off. And we haven't looked at whip yet. That's kind of the last major starting category. We'll look at saves as well still. But whip as well. Like the Grom is the only dude projected sub one. And then we have Scherzer, Cole, Rodon, Otani, Burns, Verlander. All these other dudes projected just above one. I just don't get how they got here. Like I'd really like to know the background for these formulas and projections. And specifically with DeGrom, because this is just that's the one that stands out to me the most, probably. I mean the Kikuchi stuff, sure, that one also is is eye popping. But they think 168 innings, 29 starts out of DeGrom is the middle-of-the-road outcome. That's one that I'm going to have a big problem with, and maybe I'm going to tweet something about it too. I just think that we are probably playing with fire, expecting a full, healthy season out of him. He's going to sign a contract this offseason that's probably going to be very nice. Uh, he's not going to be you know, struggling to put food on the table. He's going to sign a big contract. Maybe we don't see that same level of not even intensity. I don't even know how to describe it exactly. And I don't even want to say effort, but I, maybe we don't see him in peak form coming off of a contract, specifically with the injury problems that he has. That's a whole other thing we got to worry about. How much is he going to be out there? He's 34 years old. I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. And I know like he is the best pitcher in baseball. That is not something we need to talk about so much. We've talked about it here before. 
When he's healthy, when he's out there, there is nobody better, and it's not particularly close. But we have to factor that in more so than they have. I know that they're not projecting him for 199, 100, you know, 180 innings, but 170, it just feels really wrong to me on a few different levels. So I don't want to beat the dead horse, but I think that we have to, we have to really be cautious with how we use these projections. Let's take a look at relievers here. We'll take a look starting off with the one that we really associate with relievers, saves. So Emmanuel Classe is projected for 35 saves. Camilo Doval, 34. And then we have Edwin Diaz and Romano projected 33. Hendricks and Hayter, 32. Bednar, 31. And then we have Helsley and Rizel Iglesias. Um, and, sorry, Helsley, Presley, and also Rizel Iglesias all projected for 30. And then after that, there's a little bit of a fall-off. you got your Daniel Bards, Devin Williams, Clay Holmes. Uh, but the guys projected for 30, those are your stud closers. There's no big problem here. I think maybe David Bednar... Might be a little bit risky, sure, um, playing for Pittsburgh. I think that he's a trade candidate still, and that might just mess up the whole entire thing. We saw it last offseason with Will Smith. A lot of people were drafting him as the Braves' closer. Didn't turn out to be the Braves' closer. I don't know that we're going to see an exact same kind of situation with Bednar, but I would not at all be surprised to see him get moved to a team that already has a closer, and in that case, it would, it would just kill his fantasy value. So I would be a little bit cautious about drafting him so high up. All these other guys, though, I'm feeling pretty, pretty confident that they can go and get you those 30 saves. Now, Ryan Presley, we know he's had a bit of bad luck with staying healthy and actually securing saves despite playing for a, a perennial 100-win team. Saves are kind of weird to come by for him. This year was 33. He did miss a little bit of time. Last year, only 26. I think that he's, you know, a, a sure not a sure thing, but pretty close to a sure thing to get you close to 30 saves, but we've also seen some weird things go on with him. So I wouldn't forget about that when you're drafting. I wouldn't put so much stock into it, but it's definitely something to, to remember that his saves have been not really going the way you would expect him to go these last couple of seasons. Sure, if he didn't miss the time this year, he might be closer to 40, and we don't even mention this. But for one reason or another, he never seems to accumulate quite as many as we might hope for. I wouldn't stay away from him because of it or anything, but just something to remember uh, he doesn't have the greatest luck in terms of actually just securing saves. And it's not really his fault. It's just the way that the, the cookie has crumbled for him these last couple of seasons. Now, let's look at holds. I know that some of you play in holds leagues. Maybe a lot of you play in holds leagues. No one here that you really need to worry about drafting. Uh, not at the top here. Aaron Bumner. Uh, we have Brian Abreu, Colin McHugh, Andre Pallante, Griffin Jacks, Tyler Rogers. Uh, it's hard to really project these. This is more of a speculation. None of them are going to be really great fantasy assets. I think Brian Abreu could maybe have some kind of, you know, Brian Munoz, or not Brian, Andres Munoz type of value, Juan Duran from this year, where they're not in the closer role, but they're still racking up a lot of strikeouts, giving you solid ratios. He could be a guy where you take a flyer on, specifically if you're in like a draft champions. I think that that makes a lot of sense. But I don't think that any of these guys really need to be drafted in standard size leagues. You could make the argument maybe for a couple of them, but I think for the most part, these are going to be waiver wire pickups or maybe the last pick of your draft if you just want to speculate for closures a little bit. But not so much we can really do uh, with these guys here. In terms of projected strikeouts, some interesting things we're seeing at the top. Only one dude is projected for 100, and that's Edwin Diaz. He's projected for exactly 100 strikeouts in 64 innings. Now, I think Edwin Diaz, I want to just quickly look it up because I might be wrong. But I think he struck out 50% of the batters he faced this season. 
Uh, let me just take a look here at Fangraphs because I want to I want to be sure before I say that, but I think it was something like literally that ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Yeah, fifty point two. He struck out fifty point two percent of the batters he faced this season. That's glad. I'm glad he's going back to New York. Still on a good team. There should be a lot of wins to go around. Should be a lot of saves to go around as well. Projected for four wins, thirty three saves, hundred strikeouts, and a two forty five ERA. He is. You can make a strong case that he is the first closer that should be taken off the board. And I'm not even just make a strong case. I'm recommending it. that He should be the number one dude you take. Now, you could argue for uh, Emmanuel Classe. The strikeout numbers aren't quite as high with him. He's projected for 79 strikeouts. He's projected for 10.13 Ks over nine innings. Diaz projected for 14. So I'm definitely going to go with him if those are your two options, and those likely will be if you're taking the first closer off the board. I don't think you can really go wrong either way, but Diaz has that added upside. And even if he does, you know, happen to get blown up or pitch a second inning and not do as well, he still could give you four or five strikeouts. So it's, I think, a little bit safer to go with Edwin Diaz. As we go down the strikeout board, though, Josh Hader, he's projected for 98. Uh, Andres Munoz, 96. Liam Hendricks, 94. Tanner Houck, 94. Adbert Alzale, uh, 92, and Jawan Duran, 91. Those are the relievers that are projected to have 90 and above strikeouts. Andres Munoz, really interesting here, the projections, and not even just the projections, but just knowing how good he is in real life. Uh, there's a panel at First Pitch Arizona, and Doug Dennis, it was, a, it was a pitching panel. Doug Dennis from Baseball HQ was just fawning over Andres Munoz. It was really, really funny. I wish there was a recording of it. Maybe somebody did record it, but he was pretty much saying, like, oh, I'm watching the Mariners game. I'm all sweaty. My wife comes in to see what's going on. I'm just watching Munoz. Like it was, it was really funny. Uh, he he is a huge Munoz guy, and it's hard not to be. I was a big Munoz fan down the stretch this season. I wrote him up in at least three articles where I was recommended picking him up. And if you look at his projections for next year, we're taking these with a grain of salt, of course. But they project him for ten saves, ten holds, ninety six strikeouts, which would be a thirteen point two strikeouts per nine. And what do we have for ERA? A 2.39 ERA and a 1.00 WHIP, right on the dot. Fantastic! I think that he will be the closer. If not to start the year, then at some point he will take over. He is the best reliever they have in that bullpen, and he should be the guy who is trusted in the highest leverage situation. So Andres Munoz for me is going to be a really interesting pick, and I actually want to see where he is going in these early drafts. I wasn't able to get him in my early draft, and I was really annoyed by it. Uh, he's somebody that I wanted to have on. I mean, I'm going to have him on teams for sure, but I wanted to have him on that draft champions team. Let's see where he's going in these early drafts. I bet you he's a steal. Holy shit. He's going to pick 201 in early drafts. Minimum pick 153, maximum 278. I'm 100% in on him at that price. If it was 145, I'd still be in on him. If, like, I think this is an incredible discount. If you can get him at pick 201, and if you're drafting right now, you probably can. He's a guy to really look at. He's going to give you, you know, close to these other elites. Uh, excuse me. He's going to give you numbers that are close to these other elite closers. Uh, that's what makes me up close and closers. And I think that he's going to cost, and I think he is costing you quite a bit less than these other dudes. So he's somebody that I'd really look at strongly heading into next year. Jawan Duran is in the same boat for me of really talented, high upside relievers who are not necessarily going to start the year as closers but they will likely take over that job throughout the season at some point. And even if they don't, their strikeouts and ratios are probably going to carry you. So Duran is projected right now for 11 saves, 9 holds, 91 strikeouts, which is 12 strikeouts per 9, 
and a 263 ERA. I think that he will be the closer for Minnesota for at least the majority of next season. But even if he doesn't, you know, we saw it this year with both of these guys. They were able to hold strong value based on those strikeouts, low ERA, low whip. And I think that they are definitely worth drafting. I took Duran in my early draft. He's one of my closers. I want to see what his ADP is because we weren't really – I mean, we had ADP data for that draft, but it was kind of hard to use it. And so he's going at 118, Joan Duran. That feels maybe a touch high. If you can get Munoz 80 picks lower, I would definitely be doing that. And in the draft that I did, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Munoz went ahead of Duran. And I think that that's probably what should be happening. I really like Duran, but Munoz, I think, is on another level in terms of his in terms of his prowess. I think that he is... Truly one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, and he should be drafted expecting him to do that. So uh, I think at pick 200, that's one of the big takeaways uh, from today. Just I didn't really realize this isn't an ADP show, uh, but just looking at his ADP, it's shockingly low. So at pick 200, specifically if you're in like a Yahoo ESPN league, he's not going to be somebody that's going too high up. Maybe as we get closer to the year in the high stakes leagues, we'll see him push up the board a little bit. But it shouldn't be too drastic what we see in your standard 10 and 12 team leagues. He makes a really interesting dart throw at the end of your draft. Now let's take a look at reliever ERA projected. It's something similar to what we've already talked about with these names. Munoz projected for the best ERA or relief ERA. And then Edwin Diaz, Joan Duran, Emmanuel Clase, Jose Alvarado. He is another guy who fits into that same mold. I drafted him in that same draft champions. I'm taking a, you know, some risk there if, if it doesn't pan out. But he's projected for 13 saves, 9 holds, a 12.3 strikeouts per 9, and a 285 ERA. If he can give me something close to that, I'll be really happy. I don't know we're going to see 13 saves. Maybe we do. I hope we do. Uh, I'm not 100% sure he will be the closer. But it's you know he's pretty much in the exact same vein as those other two guys, where you can draft them pretty low, and I'm going to pull up the ADP right now, and there's a decent chance that they will take over closer roles. So if you are trying to speculate a little bit more than, you know, take your shirt, things at the top, those guys make a lot of sense. Jose Alvarado, his ADP right now is 478. He is free. He is a free player that you can put in your team, put in your lineup, and he's going to give you great strikeouts, probably really strong ratios, and some combination of like probably 20 saves plus holds in that range. He's projected for 13 and 9. I think anywhere from 20, even up to close to 30 is, is reasonable to expect from him. So he's definitely somebody that I'm going to take, maybe not every single team, but on a lot of teams if the price doesn't go up too much. That is that is crazy. He's going below Zach Eflin. I don't really agree with that. That's the main one here. Uh, he's going below Bailey Falter. Don't agree with that one either. I think that Alvarado is going to be a huge steal <clears throat> heading into drafts next season. So... Not just based on these projections. I mean, they might reaffirm some things for you here and there. They might make you question yourself here and there. But just looking at, you know, these guys are all projected to be low ERA, high strikeouts, good saves, good holds. I think that there is something to be said when a lot of those categories are all projected to, to be really good. And we have to look at a lot of different factors, obviously. These are not the be-all and end-all. But I think that their projections seem fairly reasonable, where... You know, I mentioned DeGrom a lot. His seemed fairly unreasonable. So when I look at something like that, I don't take it as seriously as I do when I see Alvarado, Duran, and Andres Munoz. They are going to be really, really great assets heading into next year, and I'd be happy to take pretty much all of them at ADP. Duran maybe is going to be a little bit too pricey, uh, but I think overall you're going to be pretty happy with it. 
Let's take a look at whip. It's going to be fairly similar here. Diaz, Hendricks, Munoz, Hader, Duran, Pete Fairbanks. These are going to be, well, maybe not Fairbanks, but these are going to be your elite closers or elite relievers for next season. Fairbanks could probably have some decent value, probably will, uh, but we know Tampa's kind of a headache-inducing situation there when it comes to their relief pitcher situation. So if you don't want to take Fairbanks, totally understand it. I would hammer, hammer Andres Munoz in that range. Like, I'm going to tweet it out today, I think, too, because it's just ridiculous. Like, he is... He is one of the best relievers in baseball. You see it from all these projections. And I know I might sound like I'm contradicting myself. Ignore the projections. Look at the projections. Sometimes you look at them and they make sense. Sometimes they are just crazy talk. So, you know, you see Kikuchi there. He's not going to be better than Manoa. I'm sorry, steamer people. He's, he's just not. He is very, very far away from being anywhere close to Alec Manoa. If he outperforms him based on ERA, or anything, really, I'd, I'd be shocked. Maybe if he pitches, he's healthy. Maybe he strikes out a couple more batters. That's about all you can really expect from Kikuchi, some strikeouts with some blowups involved. So there are definitely some things that I don't like here. As a whole, I think they're okay. Uh, again, I don't want to be too critical because I know a lot of work goes into these, and it's a lot smarter, the system that produces them, and the people that do are a lot smarter than me. But I think that we have to question, right? You have to question when you see things that don't make sense. There are some things that really don't make sense here. The main takeaways for me, don't look so, so much at projections, whatever they are. Even the ones that I really trust, like ATC, don't be beholden to them, I guess is what I would say. Don't look at them and say, this guy is projected for an ERA that is three points lower than the other guy, therefore I must take him. No. There are a ton of factors to look at. How did a guy perform down the stretch last season? Was his velocity increased, decreased? Was it about the same? How was his command? Was he giving up hard contact? Are there injury problems we need to worry about? Is his role secure for next season? There are so many factors, and yes, the projections try and capture all of that. But at the same time, your gut should be maybe not the most important tool, but you're drafting your team. You have to trust your players. You don't want to draft players that uh, projections told you to draft or that I told you to draft or that whoever tells you to draft and then not be happy with it and be sour. You want this to be your team as much as I'd love to help you guys answer questions and whatnot. Uh, these have to be your choices. So look at these picks, see what makes sense to you. Some things that make sense to me might not make sense to you and vice versa. Some things that I think are crazy, you might think are a lot more reasonable. You have to be your final decision maker in terms of your team. These projections are, are very interesting. They give you something to look at. But at the end of the day, for your fantasy teams next season, I wouldn't use these so much. Definitely a tool, uh, but certainly not the be-all and end-all as well. Guys, that is going to do it for us for today. I really appreciate you guys checking us out. Hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. That is the specific one that I want you guys to go ahead and follow. E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. We have hired a bunch of writers and content producers. All of their work will be posted at EthosFantasyBB and at SportsEthos.com as well. But if you spend a lot of time on Twitter, throw a follow down there. Throw the notifications on if you'd be so kind. You get notified right when our work comes out. So please do make sure you're following over there. Leave a five-star review on the pod if you have not done so already. It really helps us to be seen by more people during this down season of baseball. Help get some new folks listen to the show. So leave a five-star review couple of kind words that would go a long way into helping the show grow, which is what we are trying to do here. Of course, expand our audience. Always a goal here. 
Guys, we will see you again tomorrow. We'll pick up where we left off with outfielder reviews. We'll still keep going down those. We're not done with positional reviews. We'll keep doing those. Uh, there are still a lot of outfielders to go over, so we'll continue there. Then, of course, we will start up with our pitching. And Michael Simeone is going to join the show uh, not next week, the week after, I believe. Um, wait, let me see. I think... No, next Tuesday, I believe, Michael Simeone will be on the show. And I think it'll be posted uh, next Wednesday. But you guys probably know him better, at SP Streamer. He, of course, is a pitching god in this industry. He's going to help us review the top-tier starting pitchers from 2022. So make sure you are following. Get that show right when it comes out. Guys, that's enough out of me for today. We'll see you again tomorrow. Best of luck, guys. Cheers. Cheers.